Well, so good, right? Life together, good stories happening in and around our church. So we have been in a series that we have entitled this Life Together for the last several weeks. And today we're sort of wrapping it up. But what we want you to know is that Life Together doesn't end here on September 12th. No, it follows us deep into the next year of discipleship and beyond. It's the heartbeat of our church, right? We've been looking at how it is that we serve with one another. What's our calling? What sort of gifts can we have and participate in our church? What does stewardship and our finances and our giving look like? All of that is what we have been spending the last several weeks looking at and celebrating. And today we really do get to celebrate what God has been doing so beautifully, specifically for the last 18 to 24 months, but uh, really for the last 150 years. Um, I think this is one of my favorite moments of being on staff here is I was sitting at the 80 plus luncheon uh, next to, to someone and I said, how long have you gone to church here? And he said something to the effect of, you know, 1940. And I was floored. That's not normal for my generation to plug into a church for years on end. And that gives me great hope and is a great model uh, that I seek to follow for my family and beyond. So thank you, older saints, for your faithfulness um, of setting a really beautiful example for us younger folks. But you're probably wondering, why are Randy and Ash here this morning? Um, it's not because neither of us couldn't do this individually, but we thought it would be more fun. Um, to kind of talk a little bit about what have we learned through this Life Together series where we've sort of been following the book of Ephesians and the church of Ephesus, um, as well as sort of personally talk about why, why does it matter? What is life together? Why do we care about it? Why is it important to us as individuals and leaders in the church? So I'm going to let Randy sort of kick us off with talk a little bit about why you are so personally passionate about yeah. life together. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm uh, being with you together is new for me, right? But it wasn't hard to have you enter into my heart and Carrie's heart because we've been doing this our whole lives, entering into a congregation and loving the people and getting to know them and learning your stories and seeing where the Holy Spirit is at work in and through a new group of people. And it's amazing to me how many connections in my uh, network, my Christian, my Presbyterian network, there are with this church. Uh, it's, it's sort of overwhelming sometimes. I just learned that uh, at a lunch this week with a couple of members here that one of your interim pastors was an interim pastor when I was a seminary intern at the church in Santa Cruz. And, and I was thinking, he was here too. You got to experience the gifts that he brought to that church when they were going through a difficult pastoral transition. So those are all those connections. So I'm just learning kind of, God is sort of expanding my mind about being life together. But you know, it all goes back to um, the resurrection. And we talked about this in one of the first sermons uh, because the whole thing only makes sense if we're living in the power of the resurrection. Um, and uh, up on the screen, I'm gonna read you this, this seminal 
opening passage from Ephesians that maybe you forgot. This was like two months ago when we read this in worship. But Paul prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And after I started preparing this sermon series, uh, I came across a commentary on Ephesians that was sort of hidden from me because it's a book by Eugene Peterson called Practice Resurrection. And Eugene Peterson, uh, translator of the message, uh, wonderful mentor to so many pastors in the Presbyterian tradition, uh, he, wrote, he wrote this. He said, the resurrection of Jesus establishes the conditions in which we live and mature in the Christian life and carry on this conversation. Jesus alive and present. Jesus is alive and present right now. A lively sense of Jesus' resurrection, which took place without any help or comment from us, keeps us from attempting to take charge of our own development and growth. Frequent meditation on Jesus' resurrection, the huge, huge mystery of it, the unprecedented energies flowing from it, prevents us from reducing the language of our conversation to what we can define or control. When we let the Holy Spirit loose in our midst and in our lives, we can't control that, folks. But we can get on for the ride because it's amazing what God is going to do. So anyway, those are just some quick thoughts, but let me shoot it back to you and tell me why you're so personally passionate about life together. Yeah, I think it, it goes back, you know, since we've been sort of steeping ourselves in Ephesians to uh, a verse from the passage that I got to preach on at the res that says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep mm -hmm. is the love of Christ. And for me, I, I think life together really allows us to come to know parts of God that we couldn't ever figure out or know or experience mm. on our own. Mm -hmm. You know, when we live in silos, we don't um, get the benefit of, of what everyone else is learning and the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And so for me, I feel so passionate because I think, for instance, in our common space groups last year, we just saw so much sort of iron sharpening iron, but also just connection, where people mm -hmm. felt known here for the first time. I heard a story last week of somebody had been looking for a group for 15 years. Wow. And they landed in common space group and they go, this feels like church to me. This feels like home. And I go, gosh, if that is the experience that we can sort of multiply and duplicate here, that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I feel excited about that kind of connection and growth because it really does show us different sides and aspects mm -hmm. of God that I really don't believe we can experience on our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Carrie and I are looking forward. I guess we're, you got us roped into leading a I, common I did, space group. I did. So that should be fun. We're looking forward to that. Well, the scripture today that Dave read for us is, is short, blessedly short. Let's put that up there. Um, 
It's so rich though. This is such an important part of the letter to the Ephesians. And we're gonna look at it this week and then next week it's gonna be the foundation of the entire uh, passage that I'm gonna try to tackle with a lot of prayer from you on marriage, okay? So be praying for your pastor here, your transitional. Maybe I'll be here one more Sunday yeah. after that one. But, uh, but listen to this. He's not leaving, just No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So instead, Paul says, instead of what? Instead of being drunk with wine, that was as Carl, thank God for Carl Hoffman last week, talking about lust, liquor, and language. But instead of being filled with, with drunkenness, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is such a rich passage. Um, be filled with the Spirit is in the present imperative text or uh, tense in the Greek. In other words, it's a command. We are to be filled with the Spirit. We are to pray, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And in her 2020 commentary on Ephesians, uh, Dr. Lynn Coick says this, throughout the epistle, when Paul uses the preposition with alongside the mention of the Spirit, he communicates the Holy Spirit's presence in the believer and the church as both the one who fills and the filling itself. The one who fills and the filling itself. So the Spirit is everywhere, but by the power, by the resurrection power of God, the Spirit can enter each of our hearts each day. Paul wants disciples of Jesus Christ to be constantly filled with the Spirit so that our actions reflect the risen Christ in how we interact with everyone, our families, our neighbors, our colleagues in the workplace, and people in our community. Remember, Jesus promised this so many times to the disciples. Just one example, John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And then in the book of Acts, the Father answered Jesus' prayer and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church in great power. And Paul experienced the, the filling of the Spirit in his own conversion. And then every day, he relied on the power of the Spirit just to know what to do that day. He didn't just launch out on his own. He was praying constantly, Lord, show me, fill me by your Spirit. Mm -hmm. So now Paul just doesn't say, though, Bill, be filled with the Spirit. He gives us five participles, all dependent verbs on this original verb, be filled with the Spirit. And these five adverbial participles, speak and sing and make music and give thanks and submit to one another, all have to flow out of being filled with the Spirit. Don't try these on your own, okay? They don't work. Pray for the Spirit to do this in you. And we're going to look at these today and then we'll tackle being, uh, uh, submitting to one another next week. Uh, it needs its own whole sermon. <laughs> speaking hymns and psalms, singing songs, making music. These first three ways that we are filled with the Spirit all happen when we gather for worship. Certainly in corporate worship, 
like this, but also in our own private worship, in our, uh, around our dinner tables with our families, in our common space or other small groups, we can worship God. We can sing hymns and psalms and, and songs. And we can make music. Now, some of you are incredibly gifted in music. Maybe you have a beautiful voice or you can play one or more instruments. I'm kind of a dud on the music front, but I can hum. I can hum. In fact, Carrie says that my humming is becoming a habit on the verge of an annoying habit. So, um, but I will just hum a hymn or a song that I heard last Sunday at church, and it, sometimes it leads me into just a time of worship, just on my own. Last night I was walking with our dog, and we were walking along Boulder Creek, and we stood on the bridge overlooking that creek, and I remember when I first got here, it was like 10 degrees cooler on the bridge. Now it's about two degrees cooler, <laughs> but it was nice yesterday because it was hot. And we were just looking at the water, going by, and I just found myself starting to sing the song, Give Thanks, with a grateful heart. Give thanks, with a grateful heart. And that's the fourth sign of the Holy Spirit, being thankful, being grateful. Paul says in this present imperative sense of, the, of this verb, be filled with the Spirit, and the participle to be thankful is part of that being filled. Uh, and Ash, you're going to talk a little bit more about being grateful later, but um, that is really, for me, such a clear sign that when I meet a grateful person, they are someone that God is filling with their Holy Spirit. But before we get on to the thankfulness, where else do you see the Spirit at work as we've been working th through Ephesians? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, really all over Paul's letter to the Ephesians. You know, it's, it's not hard to find, and that's sort of unique to this particular epistle. We don't necessarily see it as much of him talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit quite like we do here in Ephesians. And, you know, we've spent the last, you know, several weeks in these particular texts, but I think what we see Paul doing is really preparing us. He's saying... Mm -hmm. We're about to get really practical, right? So Carl kicked us off last week on sort of the practical nature and the practical half of the book of Ephesians. And I think Paul, in leading up to all of these sort of, how do we do life? How does the church function? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? He gets really clear. You know, he talks about being filled with the Spirit because we need to be filled with the Spirit in order to do the things that Christ commands us or even that Paul's about to lay out for us. Like, think about Carl's sermon last week. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know that I could do that without being filled with the Spirit. I needed the Holy Spirit filling me to be able to live a life of love through really difficult and tempting circumstances. So we see it just sort of running through Ephesians. You know, it's what marks us. It guarantees our inheritance. It's what we have access through to God is through the Holy Spirit. Um, I love how Paul talks about us being a dwelling place for his spirit. 
It's what's supposed to strengthen us to be able to follow Jesus. Um, and then really it's what unifies us. It's where we seek um, to become one. It's that great passage that Daniel preached through about one spirit, one God, you know, one sort of life in Christ. And so what we see Paul doing here is really laying a foundation that prepares us for what's coming. And really, if you were gonna go, here's, here's the one line of the first three or four chapters of Ephesians, I think Paul sort of surmises it here with, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You're gonna need it. It's gonna be the thing that carries you um, through these difficult things that we're about to talk about or even that we sort of began to touch on last week. So mm -hmm. I really love the way that Paul sort of prepares us and builds us up and sort of goes, this is priority one. Like, mm -hmm. if you wanna talk about priority one for life together for Grace Commons, mm -hmm. we need to be a people who are filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, Randy, you're the new guy here, and this has been kind of one of my favorite things about getting to know you, um, is you have eyes to see where God is already moving in our city. And um, as someone who's lived here for almost 15 years, and even been a part of this church for a few years now, I often miss it. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Um, but Randy, you know, will come into my office and he'll start talking about something, and I'm like... I, I didn't even see that. Like, you know, maybe I was in a COVID fog or something, but maybe talk a little bit about where you have sensed and seen God and his spirit yeah. already moving in our city yeah. and in our church. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna talk about the city in two weeks. Okay. Because I had to cut that part out. Okay? Great. Uh, but we've been walking, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna have a lot to say on that in okay. two weeks. Okay, great. But uh, we've been walking around the city, and we've also been driving around Boulder County, uh, putting miles on the cars. I've been visiting with different small groups in the church and, and different couples and, and individuals in our congregation. And what, what strikes me, just to think about in our church, uh, is the Holy Spirit is alive and well at Grace Commons, in you and in your work as you use your spiritual gifts, uh, you're engaged in ministry in remarkable ways with your neighbors, with your families, in your workplaces, in your community, uh, and here at church. And I've also seen the Spirit at work healing, healing us. And one of the ways I've seen that is that uh, I just have this enormous privilege that you're talking to me about what you've been through. Mm. And you're sharing with me honestly about the ups and the downs of the last 18 months and the challenges you've faced. And you're seeing God at work in that. And I wanna tell you that I wish you could have my vantage point to hear the stories that I'm being told. And I think we need to spend more time just talking together. In fact, the session and I are gonna embark on some listening sessions all dur during this fall so that we can hear one another and hear and discern together the specifics of where and how God is calling us as a congregation mm -hmm. to serve and build the kingdom here in Boulder and beyond. Um, so we're gonna have some structured ways. And in fact, next Sunday at, at 7.45 a.m., if you're an early riser, uh, come to Grace Commons because we're gonna start a series of classes in our leadership forum 
Now, if you're a new elder or a new trustee or a new deacon, you got to come to those because that's how we're going to train you. But if, even if you're not, that's a chance for you to sit in and see what our elders and deacons and trustees are learning about what it means to be called to these roles and to serve the Holy Spirit and be filled by the Spirit in, as leaders in this church. And they're going to be great classes. I'm really grateful to Craig Rainkamp for working to put that class together. And I'm planning to be here and I'm going to be listening to what God is saying to us. So, so the city, I'm going to come back to that, but that's just a little bit about that. But I want to talk about um, something that you've been all talking about for 18 months or 18 years, or <laughs> is how in the world are we going to reach this city, this county, the world in this very post-Christian, post-Christendom era? Uh, and it, it, can, it can be kind of overwhelming to think about how different the world is than when this church was started almost 150 years ago. Uh, there are just unique challenges. But I want to tell you that this summer, a new book was published by a dear friend of mine, a, a young man who uh, I had the privilege of being a mentor to. Um, and it's called We Aren't Broke, Uncovering Hidden Resources for Mission and Ministry. And he's talking about how, he tells this remarkable true story of how God took an empty Presbyterian building mm. right on the campus of the University of Wisconsin, formerly University Presbyterian Church, mm. and turned it around, and it's now a vibrant ministry serving thousands of students and staff and faculty every week on that campus, and there was nothing happening there mm -hmm. 15 years ago. But so he writes this book, he says, this is a book about abundance, possibility, and hope. About what we have rather than what we don't have. It's a book about how the wealth of creativity, perseverance, and resources that exist in church institutions can be put to work for mission in new ways. It invites us to think differently about the property and money God has entrusted to us. This is a book that I hope will spark new ways of thinking and being in the world so that together we can transform communities, address injustice and equality, and sustain effective ministry during a time of major change. Mm -hmm. Because we aren't broke. Mm -hmm. We have much, and there is much to do. So anyway, I've got 10 copies of this book <laughs> if you're interested. Um, it's, it's really encouraging to me. But, you know, this church has been thinking creatively uh, over the last several years about how to reach this world, how to think outside the box. And I realize that some of this, these ideas have been controversial. That's why we're going to have these listening sessions, because I believe we've all got to get on the same page on this. But I'm excited about the potential of this planning. And, and Ash, maybe you can share a little bit about having been part of this, yeah. <laughs> where do you see God at work uh, in, in, you know, we're not broke, yeah. we have buildings, yeah. we have resources, how are we trying to sort of express the work of the Spirit in our community? Yeah, one project in particular, I mean, you guys have heard us talk about the Annex Project 
uh, and what's going to be happening over there. But I'm really excited. It just, it feels like that is us seeing where God is already moving and going, how do we partner with what he wants to do there? And it comes out of a, a season of really listening of what does our city need? What do the people of Boulder County need? And you all know it is expensive to live here. Uh, it's, it's not cheap. And so affordable housing is difficult to come by. And for us to say, you know, we want to create a place and we prioritize making this county like affordable for anybody to live here, you know, makes me excited about what sort of families and young people or even older folks who could come and, and find a home in the heart of the city. Um, you know, I think about folks who drive hours to get into our city to, to work in our restaurants or, um, you know, you're a chef and you, you want to come work in downtown Boulder on Pearl Street, but you drive 45 minutes to an hour. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they could walk to work every morning? And to go, if that's the sort of project and sort of emphasis that our church is, I, I think we're partnering with what God's already doing, and that makes me really excited. I think about the bakery or sort of whatever sort of trade we're going to hone in on and teach people skills of, of job skills. You know, it mm -hmm. reminds me of what Connie and Andy Minden have been doing at Ramble for years. Mm -hmm. um, and so going and saying, gosh, how do we create something like that? Or sort of how do we learn from them to, to make folks have jobs and careers that really that's not been something that they've had access to. So I am just really excited. To me, the annex sort of screams a project of God is at and on the move in our city and in our county, and how do we partner with that already happening? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really excited about what we have rolling over there. Um, but also what we see uh, as we continue on in the verse, Randy, is, you know, you talked a little bit about sort of these speaking and singing, but we're also about to embark on two new services yeah. um, next week. We're, we're sort of back, but it looks different. Like yeah. everything pandemic, right? You know, it comes right. back, but it looks different. And so I'm curious how you see those sort of commands mm -hmm. coming out of Paul's being sure. filled with the Spirit playing out <clears throat> in uh, our worship over the next coming months. Well, I'm, I'm looking at my, my timepiece here yeah. and realizing I'm going to make this really quick. Great. Because you're going to experience it starting next Sunday. Great. We are going to live out this command to be filled with the Spirit, to sing and make music, and to speak to one another in the Spirit in two very different contexts, in a traditional service at 9 a.m. and a contemporary service at 10.30. And we believe that both of these services will meet a need not only in our congregation, but in our community. And we hope that these will grow. So you're gonna come next week and we're gonna have a big sandbox here and we're gonna start building the sand castle, the sand structure of our worship together over the course of the fall. And so be open to what the Spirit is gonna do, whether it's at nine o'clock or at 10.30. And that's all I'm gonna say right now because I can't wait to hear <laughs> where you see the Spirit just welling up in people and in th in welling up in your own life in terms of thanksgiving. Be thankful. That's the fourth one. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that be thankful really comes out of the heart of Paul. We see him be a really thankful guy or a thankful dude, as my friend Randy <laughs> likes to say. Um, so it's not just in Ephesians where he's talking about all of 
this gratitude that he has, but we see it really in all of his writings in the New Testament. You know, he's not stopped giving thanks for his people. Um, we should look for opportunities to be thankful. Um, we're always remembering one another, and then that's causing us to have gratitude to God for our community and life together. Um, we see it all over the epistles and Paul's writings in the New Testament. Um, and he sort of, you know, not to end on a sad note of where we see Paul uh, talking about gratitude, but he talks about being able to be grateful through suffering. Mm. And if I can say anything, I feel like our church has, has really had to do that, that we've had to look and say, how do we find mm -hmm. gratitude in thanksgiving through times of suffering, whether it's a pandemic or the pastoral transition or own personal um, sort of stories, because what we know is life has gone on as the pandemic has raged on, right? Like we've lost friends and families and beloved saints in our church. Um, you know, we've had people leave through the transition. We've had political strife. You know, it's, it's not hard to look at the last 12 to 18 months and go, gosh, what a struggle. But what we can, you know, say is how, how do we find gratitude and thanksgiving through that? Mm. And you know, I, I get a little weary of that because I'm sure we've all been in a conversation and you can probably attest to this, Randy, where someone said, oh, you know, that's really sad and I'm so sorry, just be grateful, <laughs> you know? Um, and that just feels so belittling to our story and what's happened here. And so this morning when I talk about these things that I have been um, finding gratitude and thanksgiving to God or where I've really seen God moving, I also say and hold that in the context of it's still really painful still really hard, still really hurts um, at times. And so this isn't a like, hey, you know, everything's great and we're gonna, you know, go celebrate with a party in the parking lot. Like Randy said, we still have work to do to heal, but I think it's also important for us to remember and sort of reorient ourselves around where we've seen God on the move because that's what gratitude and thanksgiving does. It helps us remember and reorient to the goodness of God in our midst. Mm -hmm. And so as I think back over the last 18 to 24 months, just very practically two things come to mind of what I'm really grateful for. One, we could have never in a million years come up with a discipleship emphasis on prayer through a pandemic. That wasn't a, a you know, we thought about it and we're like, what do we really need? It was, a, it was a mistake that just happened to be a working of the Holy Spirit. And I am really proud of one, our church, that we were people that said, um, God speaks, we listen, we respond. Mm -hmm. That we spent a whole year really listening to who God is and what he would want to say to us collectively as a body. I think more than maybe we've ever done in the last 10 to 15 years. And that's through great leadership of our prayer ministry, but also great participation on your part to say, we need to be listening and remembering who God is through really difficult circumstances. And that's mm -hmm. priority you know, it's being filled with the Spirit, it's important. So I, I feel really grateful for that sort of word that we got from the Lord to make that an emphasis for us. The other thing, just practically, that I'm really grateful for is our series on the wilderness. You probably thought like our pastoral team sat around and said, you know, we're, we're predicting that something hard is coming upon us and so we should come up with this wilderness series. No, that was just Carl one day saying, I think we should talk about the wilderness through the series, through the, the, the calendar year of Lent. 
<laughs> because it is a series of wilderness. You know, that is in the church calendar historically a season of that. But I think that really actually gave our church guardrails of how to walk through um, a really difficult season. Because if I can be honest, if you would have talked to me in January or February and you really knew me, I'd probably sneak something into our conversation of, I think God left the building. Like, mm. I'm not sure he's here anymore. <laughs> um, because I, I'm having a hard time seeing and orienting myself of where is God moving? I'm very clear where he's not. Or at least it feels that way to me. Um, but what we knew was that God was here and he was working through, you know, common space groups and prayer, but also through that wilderness series. And I think really for me, what I'm really most grateful for over the last 18 to 24 months is this sort of opportunity for us as a church and as followers of Jesus to sort of reorient, renew, look around and go, where is God already moving and how do I partner with him in that? I think the church can get into a, 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 a bad habit of saying God only moves here on Sunday mornings. But I think God through the pandemic we learned was on the move through your neighbors. Mm -hmm. He was on the move through your teachers of your kids. He was on the move through your barista and your coffee shop conversations. I look at my relationships mm -hmm. with people in um, not just our church, but in the little sphere of where I do my life so much differently. Mm. Because there's this great verse where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There is a harvest here. We need eyes to see where God is already moving and working. And I think the pandemic afforded us all an opportunity to look around our own little community, not our church, but our community and go, where is God moving and how do I partner with him there? And that's what makes me excited about sort of the future of Grace Commons is when we become a people who go, how do I invite people into this life together by looking in my own little sphere of influence? It's when I take my kid to preschool and I connect with his teachers and other families. It's when you're at your grocery store learning the name of the person who checks you out every single time or the person who delivers your groceries. That's where I think we have this powerful tool of finding mm. gratitude, but also looking for where God is already moving. Mm. So I think as we sort of close out this thought about life together and gratitude, I'd encourage us to look around, look up, look around, <laughs> ask God, where is he moving in your life, your little world, and how do you partner with him there? Because I think this place, this family, is a great opportunity to invite people into. But we have to do it. We have to look around and say, where, where is God moving and how do I invite him into that? We don't need to, we never see Jesus ask God on behalf of other people. He doesn't say, hey, can you go pursue Randy? Mm. He doesn't teach us that. That's implied. God is pursuing the people that you don't think he is. 
We just have to have eyes to see it. And I think sometimes around here we can go, is he doing any work with those millennials? They're terrible, by the way. Um, <laughs> is he doing any work with those Gen Zers? Where are they? <laughs> They're gone. God is at work and moving, but it takes people like you and me saying, how do we partner with God to find them and invite them into this life together? So I really am grateful for just sort of that reorientation and re-up through the mm. pandemic. Yeah. That's great. Let's just pray. This is, I think that's the right approach right now. Let's <laughs> pray together. God, I am so grateful for seeing you at work and I pray that you would open my eyes, Lord, to see more and more of the ways that you are moving here in Grace Commons, in Boulder, Boulder County, Colorado, our nation and our world. Lord, open my eyes, open our eyes, and help us to see with eyes of gratitude at the resurrection power you are unleashing every single day. And Lord, we wanna get on that bus, wherever that bus is going, that Holy Spirit bus. Lord, help us to find it and to embrace it and to embrace the joy that you wanna to bring to our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.